Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today for you with another movie mastery, but this is a special one. Normally, this is the podcast where we watch the movies that you recommend, but not this week, not this time around. This one's for us. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a system master, or sorry, a movie mastery special where we say, uh, screw you people, we know what to watch. Yeah, we know what is up, we know what's good for you, and we're going to give it to you like a dose of medicine. I am John, your host over there, your other host, Jeff. Hello. We're here every single goddamn time, and we keep watching your shitty dumb movies that you want us to watch, but now we're watching what we want want to watch and it's good instead so screw you guys it's the best movie ever made we're going off the reservation this time this episode we have watched the chipmunk adventure so just to specify because there are about five chipmunk movies yeah but this is the chipmunk adventure the other ones have different names that's true the other ones are called uh let's see like alvin and the chipmunks yeah and then uh road chip uh chipwrecked oh don't you bring that cgi bullshit into here i'm talking about the original animated yeah no what we're talking about today is the 1987 movie, The Chipmunk Adventure. Now, you might uh, have seen this as a kid, or maybe you're born after 1987 and you're some kind of asshole. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> only, only 80s kids. Only 80s kids will understand. So, <laughs> this movie is a around the world in 80 days style movie where the chipmunks and the chipettes are going to go around the world and i don't know what's happening to my voice yeah what are you doing what's going on i don't know there? what happened there something happened with you my just, voice and it of, just fucked up you just fell into an accent the way most people would fall off a curb or something yeah it was just weird yeah so yeah uh, basically the premise of this film is that the chipmunks and the chipettes are going to go on competing balloon race rides yeah uh if you have not seen this movie it is absolutely bug fuck bonkers uh, like, yeah it's just madness from start to finish now you can see the whole thing uh fairly easily if you just go on to like youtube so if you want and i recommend this please go watch this film yeah because we're, we're this is going to be a deep dive episode now this is only the second time i think we've said before listening to us go watch this film the other one was big money rustlers that's correct the and if you did go watch posse that cowboy if you, movie if you did go watch that you know that when we recommend you go see something we're not lying no there's no lie in our voices this is not a trick to get you to watch an old chipmunks and chipettes movie uh the movie it requires viewing for full understanding before we get started yeah because we are going like just balls deep into the meat of this movie yeah this movie's an onion and we're gonna we're gonna go balls deep into this onion we're gonna put our balls in this onion <laughs> really onion up our balls uh yeah so uh I, I definitely recommend if you haven't seen it give it a watch it's got some some great songs some less than great songs some kind of racist songs there's some surprisingly racist content i mean just in general i mean it's not super surprising it's 1987 that's true that's true <laughs> but uh but i mean there's some there's some interesting music there's some uh there's some hijinks oh yeah but uh it's it's a good fun time start to finish the animation is kind of weird oh it's very 80s well i i mean we can definitely talk about the things that make the animation weird I, there's but we'll have to do that after the break i think so uh just so you know right now we're gonna take our little music break and we'll be back but while we do that pause go watch the chipmunk adventure then come back mm -hmm. and listen as we deep dive we we go a whole fist deep into the chipmunk adventure
Jeff, this movie is like it's maddening. It grabs a hold of you. It put it put hooks in me. You know, most people listen to our show like in the car at work or something. So so none of them did what you asked them to earlier. Oh, I know. I know there are at least a couple people who are like, you know what? Yes, I will pause this right now. I don't care where I am. Next chance I get, I'm gonna watch an hour and a half Alvin and the Chipmunks movie, and then I'm gonna come back and listen to this. Yeah. And those who did, I appreciate you. Now that those are the people who are gonna be directing the next about hour of content at is the people who did that. So if this is exceedingly confusing to you it, you've got no one to blame but yourself yeah so don't worry though it'll still be funny because there is nothing about this movie that isn't weird and funny and john's right it gets its hooks in you and all of a sudden you have nothing but questions i mean my room is nothing now but like index cards and pictures of chipmunks and they're all connected with red strings oh yeah there's just circles around things and yeah. questions around a dude named jamal it's crazy <laughs> it's insane so uh all right let's let's start about let's start it up so, with the animation weirdness that makes up the chipmunk 80s cartoon universe now you might remember if you ever watched the old 80s cartoon or you caught glimpses of it when you're looking at the chipmunks or the chipettes it seems like fairly standard 80s animation like you know any sort of he-man or gi joe it just sort of looks like a regular animated tv show yeah absolutely however once you get to the humans that live in this world it is fucking terrifying yeah because they're kind of i mean they're they're more realistic than you remember that's the thing i like i like i think is basically when you picture dave seville the guy who theoretically owns the chipmunks but really is more like their dad or something i don't know that, that relationship terrifies me it's it's a dad manager relationship yeah, which is just exploitative and weird but we'll get into it oh yeah that worked real well for the culkin kids <laughs> I, I, so so he basically sort of wards these chipmunks you probably remember him as basically looking like john arbuckle from garfield you know a vaguely human shaped brunette mass of whatever that moves around in the background yeah you know when you think about him you're just like oh yeah that's just a very generic guy that's in the background okay sure but instead he is like a photo tracing of robin thick the weird thing for this is all of the humans in this have crazy exaggerated responses to everything yes like their faces are constantly like yeah yeah they are very exaggerated in their movements but they are also near photorealistic in terms of how to draw a person which is so, why it's so weird because yeah. it's it's like watching a person mug for everything they say it's like everyone in the movie is played by jim carrey <laughs> yeah like we meet uh one of the villains of this uh claudia klaus and claudia are our two main villains mm -hmm. and claudia is always like going between weird big eyed smiles and just like full mouth snarls and it's it's so weird to have something that is animated to look as close to human as possible, but then also exaggerated so much. It basically, it's like if someone took the Glenn Close Corella DeVille and then traced over it and then animated it, but instead of using Glenn Close's movements, used a wolf's. <laughs> It's true. Everyone's super exact. I think the only human in this that doesn't hit that super weird, uncanny valley, like... It's got to be Mrs. Miller, it's right? It's Miss Miller, because Miss Miller is the only one who is as weird-looking as you would assume someone animated in this universe should be. Miss Miller, Mrs. Miller, rather, uh, looks like, basically, they took a whole bunch of photorealistic humans that are constantly mugging and moving around as if they were in their own personal hell, uh, and then added one more human to it, except that she's just a live-action version of a Farside cartoon. 
one. Yeah, she is just a, a strange, frumpy, large-haired woman who, I mean, let's be honest, she's nice. She's a nice old lady, but she's just crazy. She's a little bit batty, basically. She's a yeah. daffy old lady. So, meanwhile, and then you got the chipmunks who move around like you remember, like little cartoon animals. Yeah. So, it, it's just a weird kind of cross-reference between the two. They, they don't appear to exist in the same universe. Yeah, because it's not like the chipmunk faces are constantly going into like these weird, exaggerated expressions. They're just talking normal. I, the other thing is you can tell that the humans are traced from photo reference because they have way thicker cre- or, or uh, They got lines. them thick creases. They got thick creases. No, what I was going to say is that they have uh, outlines. Yes. They have, they have stronger, thicker outlines than the chipmunks and the chipettes do. And it, it means that it looks like they exist on different planes of existence. Oh, yeah. It, it, looks, it, it definitely feels like the chipmunks have crossed over into this strange dimension. Yeah, it's like they're on the upside down and there's these ghosts of humans walking around and they're like, Dave, can I go with you to Europe? Dave? And Dave's like, what is that? I hear sort of a, like a whispery howling in the distance. <laughs> and then Dave turns around and he's like, <laughs> tell him large Marge sent you. <laughs> <laughs> only 80s kids <laughs> so so the basic premise at the beginning of this film is that dave has to go on a, a business trip a business trip an extended three-week business trip that is way too businessy for the boys now does he say three week because at, at no point do i think i remember him saying the length no, of his trip i don't think he does i mean I'm, I'm going i'm basing that based on a rough approximation of how long he appears to be gone but it could literally just be a weekend the the time scale in this movie is impossible impossible like yeah the actual time scale of this means dave was on vacation or whatever for like a year for, yeah for like <laughs> at a least year. and not not on vacation let's let's be clear he is on a business trip oh yes he is on a quotations business trip now he he mentioned several times that he would love to take the boys with him but he can't because this trip is too businessy and he will only be businessing yes i'm sorry boys but i just can't take you it's just business this isn't a vacation you can't go with me and and Dave is lying. Oh, he is lying his ass off. He's going on a lot. First of all, let, let's get this right. Let's start with one of our first deep dive questions here, John. What is Dave's job? Okay, Dave Seville is, as far as I can tell, the chipmunks manager? Yes, he is presumably responsible for ensuring that their concerts occur. Yeah. And, like, handling the sales of their albums and stuff like that. You would think that. Yes. Uh, I think he is also a musician as well i think that's always kind of been established that he's like a, a saxophonist or something that he had a music career before he met the boys yeah no I, I believe he specifically plays piano yeah he was he was a guy who wrote music and uh played music mm. and then found the chipmunks and decided uh i'm just going to be a manager for them look being a pianist hasn't been working for me in the long term what i need to do is follow the traditional pianist course to stardom find three talking chipmunks in a park and force them to be a band yes that is, of course, the traditional way that a pianist proceeds in their career. That yeah, that's what worked for every famous pianist you've ever heard of. Yep. So uh, so yeah, he he's like their manager or, or, or something. Either even if he was off on vacate or on business as a musician, he'd still be doing music stuff, right? Well, I mean, a lot of it could be uh, meeting with like venue managers, trying to talk to like business people in various different countries, seeing what like the laws are there for 
what you have to do to put on a concert. So I don't want to go out of order here. I don't want to spoil this entirely, but we see Dave at two locations around the world throughout the course of this film. One of them is right in the damn middle of Paris. Like, we are put, the lie is put to his whole I'm not going on vacation thing the second we do this. They call Dave up at one point, do the chipmunks. Mm-hmm. He, it's like three in the morning in Paris. He wakes up groggily, and we see his hotel room. It is the inside of the wedding cake dimension. It is basically like if you were to take a, like, old aristocratic French castle or some shit and go like, oh, what did one of the kings live in? This. This. It is a giant bed. Yeah, it looks like someone took a portion of, of like, the, Vers- the castle at Versailles and then asked Lisa Frank to come in and decorate it. Oh, it's huge. Like, the, yeah. the ceilings are ridiculously high up. He's got a giant bed that's ridiculously ornate. There's enormous balcony. Enormous balcony, huge curtains, and, of course, his balcony overlooks immediately the Eiffel Tower. It is, like, right next to where he is. Now, I understand that that's because for kids, they need to understand that he is in France, so they're going to put him within easy viewing distance of the only French thing that kids know about. Yes. But the the implication when you're watching it is, there's no way this guy's on a business trip. He's in some fucking giant sex hotel immediately adjacent to the... The only thing that's missing is, like, some chipmunk prostitute that's hiding in the bathroom during the whole conversation. Like, I... Even if they were like, oh, well, we need to show the Eiffel Tower just to make sure everyone knows that, yes, he is in Paris. Even if you didn't want to do an establishing shot and then go to him, he is still in, like, a room that is bigger than a house. Yes. And the only other time we're going to see Dave out in the world is when he is sightseeing within about a mile of the Acropolis in Athens. Yes. So he is, whatever business trip he's on, it is nothing but tourist shit. Oh, yeah. He is... Just run around he's with just conspicuous sick the, consumption. He's just sick of the chipmunks. That's all it is. Oh, yeah. He's like, look, I got to go on a business trip. And by that, I mean, I am going to sample the prostitutes of Europe. Yeah. I mean, the problem that this is going to call into question is it, this is an 80s cartoon. And 80s cartoons were usually about wish fulfillment for kids. But how rich are the chipmunks? Well, they live in a giant goddamn house in L.A. That's true. They live in, like, straight up a Beverly Hills-style mansion. But they appear to only have one outfit. Well, the chipmunks do. Well, Dave the, the chip- can wear whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, yeah but he always wears the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I mean, and then they're like, they're, what do they do for fun? They go play, like, video games in a local arcade where they are not recognized as the celebrities that you'd think they would be recognized as. You would think that. The... I mean, the TV show and this movie have a very strange way of being like, oh yeah, these guys are like super big music uh, performers, but sometimes they have people who are like, oh my God, the chipmunks. And most, most of, the of the time, the time they, just it, don't. It, they just are able to walk around and do whatever. Yeah. But I mean, how often did like Jem and the Holograms have to fucking deal with that shit? Jem and the Holograms never had to deal with that shit because their costumes were holograms. <laughs> they didn't They didn't look like Jem and the Holograms, John. Well, what about... <laughs> about Josie and the Pussycats then what about any other girl band Josie and the Pussycats weren't nearly as famous as the Chipmunks are purported to be they're a local high school band at best at best yeah that's the thing Jem and the Holograms were a worldwide sensation but they were they were dressed up in holograms by a by a super intelligent computer so you're telling me that I wouldn't be able to recognize them yeah, without that's... their like weird pink uh, hologram makeup that's correct without the weird pink hologram makeup the purple bubble hair I mean for God's sake John the main one gets it's a star over one of her eyes. How are you going to tell the difference between her and her with a with a star tattoo? I know, right? So, so I, I, I just find your question foolish and offensive on the face, face of it. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm sorry. I yeah, retract. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> so. so <laughs> 
So, yeah, uh, Dave goes off on vacation, but the boys are desperate to go with him. Uh, Alvin tries to trick his way into going with him. Uh, Alvin also has to introduce himself as just kind of an idiot, because the very first lines he gets is like, I need to go on vacation with Dave. How else am I going to see the Louvre in, in Athens? Yeah, uh, the Louvre is in France. See? I don't even know that. Yeah, that's good. not That's not indication that you deserve a trip to Paris, Alvin. It's just it's just indication that you're dumb. Well, yeah, but Alvin is... Alvin's an idiot. Let's let's be honest. Alvin's here. a little starfucker idiot. It's true. He is he is not established as an especially intelligent character. No, I mean while Simon is established to be a very smart character, mm-hmm. too smart, a little too smart. Slightly, he's he's slightly too smart in that they'll just let him know things randomly. Yes. Uh, but then not let him know other things. Yeah, like there's a part of this when he's reading like ancient tribal Fijian. Yeah, and he's like, oh, oh yeah, sure, I can translate this. Yeah, and you're like, duh. What? <laughs> Of course. When did, he- <laughs> when did a fucking chipmunk be like, "Oh yeah, no, I've I've studied ancient tribal language of the Fiji Isles." Yeah, so that was that was a little unusual. Uh, but all right, so basically they try to trick Dave into going with and letting them go with him. Uh, Dave's has having none of it. We get our first Alvin of the of the movie, and uh, and then we find out that Miss Miller, Mrs. Miller, is Mrs. going to come over and uh, watch the boys while Dave is gone. Mrs. Beatrice Miller. Uh, Mrs. Goddamn Beatrice Miller. <laughs> so this is an interesting thing. The boys are disappointed right away when they hear that, that Beatrice Miller is going to be their babysitter. They're like, oh. She's Miss- so scatterbrained and meh. Yeah, she's dumb and boring, Dave. Uh, here's the thing, though, and this is an important question. I don't know that much about the 80s chipmunk TV show. Okay. Uh, in fact, when well, I, was, I know everything, when so I, please perfect. ask me. When I was going into this show, uh, I, my impression was that the chipettes, the, the, the chipettes, mind, uh, you know, uh, Brittany, Eleanor, and Jeanette, that they live in a treehouse by themselves, and they are not part of this whole complicated culture of, uh, of Hollywood star celebrity or whatever. Now, unfortunately, you are accurate, but only up to a point. Yeah. Now, at one point during the episode, wanted colon mommy uh the chipettes are found to be living alone mm-hmm. in this treehouse by a teacher now the teacher says this is obviously not okay and they're going to be sent to an orphanage wait aren't they chipmunks yes like but all right moving on <laughs> but they are children first they're children okay they're children first are they even really chipmunks or are they just do the six they of them are, just have a rare genetic abnormality that makes them look chipmunky chipmunk human hybrids <laughs> Okay, they're Moreau chipmunks. But they are afforded all of the same rights and uh, just responsibilities as a human. Okay. So, because they are still minors living alone, okay, they are going to be sent to an orphanage. Now, Dave originally is like, you can come live with us. Yeah, it seems like he would be the immediate person that the local authorities would contact. Well, it also seems like he would also be the one that, for the show, they'd be like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, we need to get, because that way we can get all six of them in a house and we can have hijinks and whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, And also... It just seems like, like it, organically, that would make sense for Dave to be like, "Oh, sweet girl versions of my cash cow, perfect." Oh, good, another band I can manage. Yeah, this is this is exactly what I need. More children that can sing that I can control financially. Now, what happened though is they eventually got adopted by Mrs. Miller. Yes, and then they live in her house for a while, and then they lived with her and took her last name. And took her last name. Yeah, so they are uh, the... Eleanor, Brittany, and Jeanette Miller. Yes, so they live with Mrs. Miller now. Now, that happened 
1986. This movie came out in 1987. So here's the thing that that leads us to wonder about, because the first thing that happens is Mrs. Miller shows up to look after the boys. Now, she's not just babysitting. She's house-sitting. She's sleeping there. We know this because the very next day, she's uh, at their house in a bathrobe with curlers in her hair, making them breakfast. Yes. So she stayed the night. She's definitely staying in the house. Every time we cut back to Mrs. Miller during this movie, she is always in the Seville household. So here's the question, then. Does that mean that in order to look after the boys, she's straight up abandoned the Chipettes? Yes. That is exactly what happened. Now, the, I mean, the Chipette background is they grew up on the mean streets of, like, like Australia, Australia yeah. and New York. <laughs> so they can take care of themselves. They well, lived by themselves in a treehouse for years. This is something that the, fo- the folks at home don't know. The, the Chipettes are chipmunks from Australia. Now, let's go ahead and set aside that there aren't chipmunks in Australia. That's not important. There are three, and they were the Chipettes. Uh, and then they uh, have the same problem that they always have, which is that someone notices that three children are living alone and, and pushes them into an orphanage where they become the wards of another orphan girl named Olivia for a while. And then the four of them escape to America on a boat called the American Dreamer Yep, where they land in New York. And for a couple seasons of the show, probably less than a season, actually. Well, no, this is just the background backstory. episode. Oh, okay, the backstory episode. Yeah. They take jobs as menial, like, washing women and stuff on the streets of New York. They they're are just, still- They're just laborers that are homeless in New York. That is correct. They are still way smaller than even the chipmunks are. They're like little tiny hand-sized chipettes at this point. Then they go to San Francisco, where they take a singing career. And again, we're still talking about the chipettes' backstory here, the, from the 80s cartoon. This, is all, this isn't all from some comic book that we're-, that we're No. This, like some this- dark horse chipettes' backstory. Story. We we aren't deep dive expanded universe here. No, this is just the cartoon. Just in case you were curious, if we were like reading someone's fanfic, uh, no, they, they they go to San Francisco and they take a job as singers under the name the Chipmunks because they are chipmunks or chipmunky anyway. And, and so they take a job. No, chipmunkies are different. Now those are <laughs> oh. chipmunk monkey hybrids. That is correct. Yeah. Chipmunk human hybrids. Yeah. So, wait. Well, how come the chipmunks aren't called like the chip humans then? Oh well, that would be weird. That would be weird. Chip because it's is- it's half chipmunk half human monks hi there i'm chip human (laughs) are you interested in real estate in the tacoma area hi i'm bill chipman (laughs) all right so the uh okay let's really dive into this at this point the main plot starts when the chipmunks and chipettes are playing the video game around the world in 30 days which is weird it is a hot air balloon simulator video game with strong action elements yes the great thing about it is when you look at it when it's not focused in on it it's just two hot air balloons going up and down uh-huh when you actually focus in on it it looks like they have to dodge things so yes. it's it's got all the the excitement of say uh like a space race or even worse maybe one of those old tiger electronic lcd games yeah it's just oh i have to go left to dodge this pyramid and right to dodge the next pyramid yeah so that's pretty much what they're doing uh but in the background we have klaus and claudia Mm -hmm. and they are trying to find a way to get their diamonds smuggled into other countries for people that want to pay for them but every time they try to do this jamal ends up like stopping them and confiscating their diamonds this is the conversation that they're having that they they're trying to distribute these diamonds and they keep getting stopped by jamal yeah jamal keeps finding them and taking their diamonds so they need a way 
to deliver diamonds to people around the world without Jamal taking them. So here's the first question I have for you, John. Yes. Uh, is it illegal to sell diamonds to people? Apparently in this dimension, selling diamonds to anyone is hyper illegal. So either the diamonds are stolen, like maybe they're selling stolen diamonds, like maybe Klaus and Claudia are notorious diamond thieves. Maybe. But it seems more like all they're doing is fencing. No, it, it looks like all they're doing is selling. They're like diamond wholesalers. Yeah. But, but but it's illegal to sell diamonds anywhere in another country. I'd say for for a couple minutes, I was pretty sure that diamonds was just a euphemism, and that the the chipmunks were actually going to end up smuggling coke all the way through this movie. I mean, it's 1987. Well, the thing is, diamonds uh, as a thing that they are smuggling in this. I guess they had to pick something that kids would understand. Yes. But what it ends up being is, this is a world where diamonds are illegal. Yes. Diamonds are an illegal thing to sell or own. Because even if, let's say, they had a big diamond heist, Mm -hmm. and they got just bags of illegal diamonds. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. If I then take those diamonds to, let's say, Europe and Mm -hmm. sell them, no one in Europe is looking for my diamonds. Because if I stole it from some diamond store in, like, New York, and then I'm in Europe, the dude in Germany isn't like, wait a minute, are these diamonds from New York? No, they're just like, great, give me some diamonds. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know how the 80s work. There's international bodies that protect re- or that, that are for regulatory trade control. So maybe they're trying to dodge tariffs. Maybe they're trying to dodge paying taxes or entry fees. This is fees. what I assume. I assume this is tariff dodging. Yeah, that that's probably what. But anyway, all of it's going to be lost on eight or nine-year-olds to the average viewer of this film it's these guys have illegal super diamonds that they are selling for money and that's bad yes they are bad guys they are, with illegal diamonds they are bad guys with diamonds and diamonds are bad don't ever do diamonds kids not even <laughs> once <laughs> never never diamonds so, so the the implication is right away that klaus and claudia who we, we should probably describe but right before we do that the implication is that the two of them are very clearly also criminals and they are being stopped by other criminals yeah the whole idea is jamal knows knows their agents and where they're going and he keeps intercepting these diamonds and it sounds like he is stealing from them yes yeah and so they are watching the kids play hot air balloon race around the world in 30 days which by the way uh britney is super winning because uh, alvin made a couple of mistakes and flew into the great pyramid or the uh the sphinx and then in order to catch up he has to take the shortcut through fiji okay um when is fiji ever a shortcut well in a video game it makes a little bit of sense because it's just a level it's like a warp pipe it's like hey uh, you can either choose to take the simple route and go through I, I don't know let's pick some place at random out of my ass morocco or you can go to the fiji level which is really hard but it lets you skip having to play through like uh pit Cairn island or something and you get, <laughs> you get to skip right to the really hard new york level so that's the one time it makes any kind of sense is, is in the video game sequence and and of course it doesn't work for him his balloon after managing to dodge the spears of natives and the vol- and the many dozens of fijian volcanoes is finally grabbed out of the air by a jumping saltwater crocodile. Yes. So uh, so he loses and, and Brittany wins. They get into a big fight over who would win in real life. Yes. And this makes Claudia get an idea. Jamal knows all their agents, but he would never suspect children of delivering diamonds. Certainly not famous children. Again, this is a problem. This is like, being, oh, I know how to do this. We'll hire all three of the kids from uh, Home Improvement and have them fly around the world in a hot air balloon. I know what we'll do. We'll get one direction to deliver diamonds for us. <laughs> I'm trying to go with like nine... 
it's it's the kids from Home Improvement, <laughs> and then and then they have Home to, Improvement's nineties. You fucked up still. Oh, sorry, the eighties. We'll have the new kids on the block race against the children from uh, Punky Brewster, and no one will suspect. <laughs> I'm gonna have MC Hammer deliver these diamonds. <laughs> Who would suspect him? Who? He's already bedecked in diamonds and gold. We'll have MC Hammer fly one balloon and Mr. T the other, and no one will be the wiser. Yes, certainly they would pity the fool who tries to stop Mr. T. <laughs> and of course, I know that MC Hammer will deliver these diamonds and not stop, for he is too legit to quit. Additionally, no one can touch him. <laughs> not even Jamal. <laughs> Okay, so... Man, that's a way better movie. <laughs> I want to see that so bad. So they, uh, Klaus and Claudia... Approach the children. Just oh, yeah. ridiculous looking. Uh, Klaus is balding on the top to the point where he's not quite at the horseshoe haircut, but it's getting there. Yeah, and what remains is a kind of white-black combo. Yeah, he's got that, like, it's black until it's white, uh, and then it's a Michael Jackson video. And both of them basically look like idle-rich Euro trash, and they both have kind of vaguely European accents. Well, they're they're Klaus and Claudia Furstein. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They were the Von Furstein's. Yeah. And I still couldn't tell you where the hell they're from. They sound vaguely Eastern European, maybe? I don't know. Probably, probably german-ish they could be austrian or from the balkans i don't yeah, know they, somewhere in that area yeah so so uh the two of them are staggeringly wealthy yes. and they and and uh claudia is accompanied everywhere she goes by a little dog named sophie and sophie is uh like a little like a yorker yorkie maybe it just looks unhealthy yeah just a sick a sickly little yorkie who is also very pampered and wealthy and is very slightly more intelligent than a normal dog would be so like uh the the animal intelligence levels of the chipmunk universe in this world is uh definitely something to be discussed it's it's worth talking about sophie is sort of a mid-range between the chipmunks and just animals yeah she doesn't have a language really she just sort of barks or yelps uh, she's definitely pampered and understands, like, that she is pampered. Yes. And, like, has revenge things where she understands, like, oh, I can pop someone's, like, balloon and make things happen. Yeah, and she wants things delivered to her in rich people fashion. For example, there's a scene where she's floating on a pool floaty in rich people's fountain pool, and she has a dog bone with her that is in a martini glass. Yes. And, and she appears to insist that her bones are delivered to her in martini glass format. So that's... Well, that's, I mean, that's fine. I, I definitely have preferences on how I want my bones delivered to me. <laughs> Secretly, through the back door. Hey, now. Is that, am I correct? Huh? huh? Did you get it? All right, so, so Sophie, so that's them. The three of them are just rich Euro trash types. They approach the, the, the various monks and ets, and, and, and they're like, we, we couldn't help but overhear your conversation. We've got a bet going, and I think that you would win, while she thinks that you would win. Now, please come to our our house tomorrow and we'll make it happen for real we're quite wealthy and the, the winner will get a hundred thousand dollars thousand dollars american u.s currency yeah a good, number okay. one okay okay cowboy bang bang good times who wants a mustache ride oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> now is the time we dance <laughs> 
So they obviously, having heard that $100,000 are going to be on the line, both Brittany and Alvin, who are the fucking worst. Oh, well, they're the ones with ambition. The two, Because, uh, you know, Eleanor and, and Theodore in this movie might as well not be in this movie. Yeah. They have, there's only one thing that Eleanor ever does. Theodore is literally just hapless and put upon. Well, Theodore is just there to be like, I'm hungry. And Eleanor is just there to be like, oh, I'm shy. Yeah. Uh, so basically, you've got Alvin and Brittany, who have no sense of self-preservation whatsoever and are dumb and gullible and then you've got simon and, and Jeanette, who are smart but not backbony enough to do anything with that smartness oh yeah they understand that these uh idiot leaders of their groups mm-hmm. are the worst and shouldn't be doing what they are doing and there are much better things they should be doing but they do not have the stones to be like hey fuck you we aren't doing this yeah this is dumb they'll uh, they'll they'll ask they'll be like please Please, can we not? Please. Yeah, and that's as far as they're allowed to go. So basically, the boys and the girls agree that they are going to meet at the Von Furstein compound the next day yep. uh, to do a race around the world in, in balloons. Uh, they, they go home, and we don't follow the Chipettes home because it would be sad. They'd well, go yeah, back they to their would, house. They where, would go to an empty house where they're like, I guess we'll pack to leave because it's not like Mrs. Miller will notice. This is insane. That If we went to their house, we'd be br- the, the situation that has to be playing out for them would come into, a, into focus. That Mrs. Miller left them for money so she could go watch the boys, which she prefers to do anyway. Yeah. And that they're just in an empty house now, fending for themselves, just like they always have. Now, the boys, uh, the aforementioned call to Dave in his ridiculous palatial mansion in Paris happens. It's a trick. Alvin needs to record him saying things so he can cobble a recording together of Dave asking the boys to meet him. Yeah, so just little phrases are going to get cut up and put into this recorder so that it sounds like he's asking for the boys to come visit him in Europe. That is correct, yeah. The weird thing to this is... This works. Uh, that's not weird. The weird thing is, the whole thing is, oh, I, I want the boys to come visit me in Europe. Miss Miller doesn't drive them to an airport. She isn't like, oh, okay, let me go ahead and get some tickets for them. Let me do whatever. No, she's just like, oh, they're going to go visit you in Europe. Okay, they're getting in a taxi. Goodbye, children. Yeah. She has no agency whatsoever. The next morning, after they finish making their tape recording, they're all sitting down for breakfast, and if I remember correctly, Simon is having grapefruit, Alvin is having toast, and then Theodore is having, like, 50 things. Yeah, he's having the full English. Yeah, he's well, Theodore's going to have the cereal, and the waffles, and the bacon, and the hash browns, and the eggs, and the couscous, and the pizza, and I was like, all right, I get it, except that we never see Theodore really, he's not a comically fat kid character he's very slightly chubby yeah and he, he seems pretty reasonable in the things he orders when he's in athens he doesn't order anything ridiculous he asks for couscous and dolma yep normal things to request yep i so, mean when he's in mexico city he goes he, he goes crazy whole hog. yeah uh, but anyway they they play a recording for uh, miss miller over the phone which i'm still not sure how they cause the phone to ring at all because they call her on the house line from another house line i guess they just have multiple house it's a huge palatial mansion of course there's more than one uh landline in there yeah why not so they call her from one of the landlines and they play a tape recording which breaks several times. Yeah, it's just a comic thing of like, oh, you sound drunk. Or, <laughs> Mrs. Miller. Are, are you drunk, David? And then it starts playing backwards, and it's actually quite, it's one of the very few funny things that occurs in the movie. But, Runyip von Hirnfrauer. And she's like, what? Can you, huh? What? Well, I, Mrs. Miller, I want the boys. 
Alvin, Simon, and Theodore to meet me in Europe. I don't know why they went to such extreme lengths. The, they, once he got the boys, he was fine. Eh. How do you even get the boys? The boys. <laughs> How do you get to... I mean, it's way easier to get him to say the names than to refer to the boys, of which Alvin, who he was talking to, was a member. He was like, oh, what's your? What's that song you really like? And he's like, what, the boys are back in town? Yeah, that's the one. What's that Thin Lizzy song you like so well? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> You know, the one that's really unpleasant once you actually stop and think about it? Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, anyway. You, you mean any Thin Lizzy song? You got it, Alvin. I'll just... <laughs> I'll just list them all. All right, so uh, they they, they go. meet uh, the Chippets at the Firsteins. All right, and here is where this movie goes 100% butt-fuck-insane and makes no sense going forward. Okay, so the scheme that they have so that these children don't know that they are delivering diamonds and getting cash for it is they've created dolls. These are dolls that are perfect tiny doll replicas of both the chipmunks and the chipettes when they uh are going to deliver a doll they have a box of ones that look like them so the chipettes have chipette dolls the chipmunks have chipmunk dolls yes when they deliver a doll it gets taken away and then replaced with one of the opposing team's dolls yes so if you put down a simon doll a little eleanor doll come back yeah uh so yeah so no none of the boys or the girls remark on how weird it is that the first von Furstein's have hundreds of chipmunk and chipette dolls and this is where we need to stop and talk about the plan okay so each of them have 12 dolls Mm -hmm. so that's at least 24 between the two teams that they get immediately Mm -hmm. uh and then another 24 that are scattered throughout the world now scattered throughout the world is important because what that means is that over the course of the past oh i don't know maybe maybe 16 hours the von Furstein's had uh 48 chipmunk and chipette dolls made and shipped to insane locations around the world based on a spur-of-the-moment idea they had about how to smuggle diamonds around the world. Now, the the question I have is, did they straight-up Etsy this shit and be like, no, it was 1987! Well, I mean, go like, oh, who, who makes dolls around here? And have them make them. Or are the chipmunks and chipettes so famous that there are already dolls of them? That, I, I figure that that's probably the case. The chipmunk and chipette dolls aren't rare. That when they saw them, they were just like, oh, you found a bunch of those, huh? Uh, what do you know? See, except they open it and they're like, oh, they look just like us. Like, they're surprised that they exist. (laughs) Then again, it may be that Dave has sold the rights to their likenesses (laughs) and they don't realize. (laughs) They have no idea that these things exist. Oh, yeah. He's been selling these chipmunk dolls on the black market for years. Either way, it's insane. Either the boys have no idea that there are dolls of them that are super common all around the world and easy to find everywhere, or the first teens worked overnight to make 48 incredible dolls and then not just ship them around the world, but to places that you can't just ship things oh yeah no the the fact that there are dolls waiting in various places means it wasn't that they shipped these dolls out they had to go like hey my guy who wants diamonds that i'm selling to in fucking bermuda can you get a doll made that looks like theodore of the chipmunks and if it's not famous enough that theodore is easily recognizable to like if they don't if these dolls were custom made by them that means that they went home having met these kids for about 15 minutes yesterday and made 48 identical dolls that look exactly like them and then managed via, what, 24 phone conversations with people who probably
probably don't speak the same language as them, to get them to make perfect recreation dolls of the chipmunks and chipettes based on only on visual description of someone they met yesterday. Yep. The, like, okay, the, so the when you're making the doll ju- premise is yeah. insanity. So when you're making the Jeanette doll, it's important that she's kind of dressed like a frumpy Diane Keaton. <laughs> so so you get the idea with the glasses. You're, you get where I'm coming from on the glasses. So what you're looking for is a purple skirt that seems like it's the right length, but turns out to be too short when she tries to move. Also, she's wearing those big leg warmer sock hybrid combo. You got you know you know what I mean? Like you're looking for it's a, the eighties. You it's know the what 80s. I mean. You know the pooch the pooch socks that people wore at the time. Uh, she's wearing a sweater that frumps to the left. That's important. <laughs> I like to imagine that they actually said it's the 80s you know what i mean <laughs> it's the come on guys it's the 80s i mean it's way easier to describe the chipmunk dolls all right they're all, all three of them are wearing sleeveless or i'm sorry long sleeved turtleneck uh primary color shirts floor length cassock t-shirts uh and if the red ones have an a on them and the blue and the green ones do not the end done all right no problem uh so so yeah, these dolls are impossible and make no sense. And then, as if that wasn't weird and crazy enough, they introduced the chip, uh, chipmunks and chipettes to their mode of transit, unpowered hot air balloons. Actual, for real hot air balloons that none of them know how to drive, and we know this because the first scene of them getting in it is them like slamming into each other and trying to figure out how to steer. Yeah. They don't send anyone that knows how to fly a hot air balloon with them. Their plan is... Not only garbage because they're like, oh, we're going to try and like smuggle diamonds through a hot air balloon. You're sending children to do it in a hot air balloon that they don't know how to pilot. The chances are your millions of dollars of diamonds are going to be lost somewhere when these children die in the middle of the ocean. They took off in friggin' Beverly Hills in hot air balloons. They are going to land in the San Fernando Valley. And be dead. A few hours later is what's going to happen. Eventually, they won't know how to keep the fire lit. It'll turn off, and the and the hot air balloons will land in the porn capital of the world with a bunch of bo- of uh, dolls full of diamonds. Yep. And that's all that's going to happen because because hot air balloons don't go very far. Also, another thing, let's just go ahead and say this. Their plan is these children are not going to notice that these dolls feel like lumpy rocks are in them. <laughs> And they have zippers that they will not open and go, holy shit, diamonds. Actually, they don't have zippers. The one time they get one open, it rips open. Oh, yes. I know that. But when he's putting the diamonds in there, he puts the diamonds in a doll and zips it up. Oh, he must zip it up and then seal it again. Because they they have to, like, use a knife to open it up later and be like, oh, my God, there's money in here when they open up one of the other dolls. Yeah. But to start with, when, like, Klaus is putting stuff in there, it is just straight up, I zipped up the back of this doll. (laughs) God damn it. So uh, they send the... They send them off on their adventure, and immediately their adventure just goes haywire because no one knows how to fly the balloons around. So Simon is hanging from one of them, screaming, and he almost kicks Klaus in the face, and and and, and everyone's falling down, and the balloons are knocking over trees and everything. They now, have a brief conversation. I I want to I want to mention the very brief conversation that uh, Simon and Jeanette have. Yes, where they're talking about the route, and Simon says, "You're going to Bermuda first. Mm-hmm. Do not take." The easterly route, because there is a hurricane. Yes. Okay, you're in L.A., the westerly route is to travel all the way around the world to get to Bermuda, (laughs) because it is just east of the U.S. I mean, I guess the idea is that you're supposed to go straight east across the United States, past Bermuda, then south, then approach from the west. 
like I don't he he said to take the westerly route instead of the easterly one and that's impossible <laughs> yeah it, it's impossible but also it's suspicious because when he first goes I heard and for some reason at this point Simon is talking like one of the uh, like the characters from a Snoopy special I heard on the radio that there is an hurricane approaching, and hurricane approaching hurricane Anne and hurricane I'm I'm speaking with a French pronunciation where there you is a hurricane and hurricane up uh, so but uh, Brittany's having none of it she thinks that Simon is trying to trick Jeanette into going a longer route because their route is easier and so they he's like oh they're trying to stall us first of all their route is not easier taking a hot air blown to Bermuda is insane the boys just have to go down South America yeah they the boys first off is Mexico City and LA to Mexico City way easier than LA to Bermuda yeah so <laughs> Jeanette's like, oh, thanks. We'll we'll keep that in mind. And Brittany's like, no, we won't. And I don't understand. Brittany, by this point, should know Simon. Like, she's met Simon on several occasions in the past. Yeah, if Alvin had been like, oh, you should take the westerly route, she'd be like, oh, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. That guy, that guy is untrustworthy. Simon is way too naive to be mistrusted. He's smart, and that's all. Yeah, he's a smart, nice kid, and that's it. Yeah, so if he's like, hey, there's a hurricane that way, you can trust him. Yeah. But anyway, they don't. And uh, they, they get, get hit by a hurricane. They get hit by a hurricane. And here's here's how we know they get hit by a hurricane. Their hair's all frizzy, their balloon's lying sideways, and they're in Bermuda and it's sunny. Yep. And they're like, oh, that was a hurricane. Why can't you admit it? And I'm like, well, you still managed to land on Bermuda in a working balloon. So And your th- balloon isn't ruined. It's they- just sideways. Yeah. Although, here's the thing. Their clothes are torn to the point of almost being naked. Oh, yeah. They're practically in jungle clothes at that point. And I'm like, you know, high winds don't tend to shred clothes. I think they got in a fight. I think they were literally out there just tearing each other. You dipshit! (laughs) Yeah, that's what happened. Or they got hit by lightning. That was the other thing I thought was likely. Oh, because they all have, like, ridiculous poofed out hair. Yeah, they have poof hair, which suggested to me that they were hit by by harmless childhood lightning. Yeah. You know, little lightnings. Little lightnings. Them, Them Tycho little lightnings. <laughs> yeah, those ro- remote-controlled lightnings. So why don't we handle Bermuda first? Bermuda is an area where they have to go to a boat, and there's a guy there that uh, they need to give dolls to. Yes. Or a doll to, because everyone gets one. Now, we also are, at this point, being chased by agents of Jamal. Yes, and we have seen Jamal at this point, and Jamal is a... He looks like the fucking godfather. He does. He looks like a vaguely Middle Eastern god, like maybe like a, a southern Italian version of the god. Like, he's, he's darker of skin, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's got that, like, little pencil mustache he's in a white suit he's wearing a fez and a white suit he looks like the turkish or the moroccan godfather yeah and he's all hello i am talking like i am jamal Jamal. i need my agents to go get these people go and catch these boys and girls do whatever you have to do so the which means that klaus and claudia's they'll never suspect children is immediately ruined because the first uh butler mario just rats on them right away right so at this point it seems like the movie ought to be over because the because uh jamal's men have been told and normally it's hard for jamal's men to catch claudia and and klaus's people it should be easy for them to catch six children yeah the fact that they're like oh yeah jamal's men keep intercepting our shit and we're sending out actual for reals agents to do this so yeah so let's talk about the agents because there are two of them uh i don't remember either of their names although i think they get mentioned cuomo and that's right yeah like I want to say like Ovo or something. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, so one of them is a big burly uh, dude in a leather jacket. Yep. Uh, and then Cuomo is 
straight up looks like like an old Dick Tracy villain. Yeah, he looks like a 1950s idea. Uh, what, he looks like what Dick Tracy thought Mexicans looked like in 1958. Yes, that is correct. He's got a gold tooth and he he just looks sinister and he cannot go into a scene without like... Flashing the tooth. T- flashing the tooth. He's got to do a full mouth grin that flashes that gold tooth. Yeah, so every scene that starts with Cuomo is him going, ah! With his tooth like gleaming in the sunlight. Yeah. Just, and, and it's every time. For Cuomo is terrifying. So it's the other agent that's going after the girls. Now, we don't know in movie yet that these are Interpol agents. They are, spoiler alert, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we think they're bad guys. Yeah, but it's Inspector Jamal and these are Interpol agents. They are trying to stop this smuggling ring. It is important, though, in the Bermuda scene that you know that this other guy is an Interpol agent. Because what happens is the girls find some scuba gear and they're like, we don't want to wait until this guy comes back up from the fucking ship he is at a shipwreck looking for stuff at. Yeah. We're going to go down and meet this guy we were supposed to be meeting so we can save time. They go down to a a sunken ship and meet this dude who straight up just looks like Aquaman <laughs> with scuba gear on. He takes the doll and gives them the other one. So just just to make it clear, the very first doll that we exchange is in a sunken shipwreck off the coast of Bermuda that the girls scuba dive down to. Now, he has the doll that they're getting in a chest in this pirate ship that is sunken, which means he didn't have it up on his regular boat where his diving gear is, where he should have been waiting for them. He is storing this Theodore doll full of money in s- underwater <laughs> in a sunken ship. There's no place it could possibly be safer than underwater in a pirate treasure chest. <sighs> in Within easy swimming distance of the coast of Bermuda, a place that is famous for scuba divers. So, the, uh, the agent finds some scuba gear as well and follows them down there. Throughout this whole thing, there is a shark swimming around in the background that is sort of a danger. Yeah, like a 30-foot long ridiculous mega shark is swimming around down there. At some point when they get out, the shark goes to attack the girls and straight up has that cartoon moment where it tries to eat Brittany and she's like holding the mouth open with her arms and legs. Yes. The uh, the doll gets dropped. The agent sees a child being attacked by a shark, looks at the doll, picks up the doll, smiles, and goes to leave. Yes. Also, he has a giant knife drawn. The Interpol agent, who is supposed to be a good guy, and we only think is a bad guy, sees child death happening and is like, nice, all I care about is this doll. Good day! Also, it's not good enough. Getting the doll doesn't stop the whole situation. He needs to stop the girls, who have 23 other dolls. Well, they oh, have sorry, 11. 11 other dolls. They have 11 other dolls on them at the moment, all full of illegal diamonds. Yes. And but he's like, whatever, they'll get eaten by sharks, my job's done. Yep. Uh... <laughs> So I I just needed to point out that the Interpol agent in this scene is straight up very okay with children being murdered. I mean, to make it clear, the whole point of these characters is that they're supposed to appear to be bad guys until the very end of the movie, at which point it will be revealed that they are secretly good guys who have been trying to help the whole time, except that the movie cheats it so hard that there's no way that that's true. Yeah. The movie movie tries to give you this, oh, it's all just misunderstandings that they constantly try to snatch the children and and attack penguins to get at them and and, and throw things at them and, and, and never speak to them when given the opportunity, instead choosing to just keep trying for tackles. Yes. Uh, so 
that that's fucked up. It's it's fucked. It's completely fucked up. And for when the movie's the end, they go, oh no, they're just police officers. They're nice police officers who are here to help you. Fuck that. That guy let me get eaten by a shark. Oh yeah, that guy saw a shark coming at me, and then when my doll dropped, he was like, "Good, this is all I wanted. Good day, sir." Yeah, and and meanwhile, the boys have been being pursued by that by a uh, Cuomo, and who has never done anything but uh, but uh, you know whatever the metal toothed guy from uh, what was that uh, on James Bond movies, the the dude with the big metal mouth, Jaws. Yeah, Jaws. What, that's all he does is just follow him around, going teeth. Yeah, it's like he isn't at any point he could have been like, uh, "Hey, boys, um, you're smuggling diamonds." Yep, I, you probably don't know this, but you're smuggling diamonds. But no, they have to like try and hide in the fucking cities that they're in. Yeah, and, and, and also at one point they get dressed down by Jamal, who straight up just is like, "If you two cannot do the job, I will bring in more men who can get out of here and don't fail me again." Which is not what an Interpol agent says to two of his guys. No. Uh, all right. Anyway, so that's the ridiculous situation the girls get. Yeah. The boys go to Mexico City where they trade their doll fairly easy peasy, no problem there. Yeah, they have to stop at the Cluckin' Taco. And, uh, they... <laughs> Which is a, a weird restaurant that is closed. They they swap their doll. That's fine. Oh, real quick, I want to talk about this because this is the first time we see the mechanical doll swap machines that exist in this universe. Yes. The the Cluckin' Taco is a closed taco restaurant. They put their doll on a little platform underneath a little sombrero, which Robo slams down on the doll, slides away, slides back, pops up again with the other doll in it. So this this not only do they have the dolls constructed with the money in them, but also little doll transport machines all around the world. Now, at least these, I'm saying. Saying that could have been a drop-off point that has been established for years. Sure, for things that are roughly little doll-sized. Yeah, for just small amounts of diamonds. Whatever. Fine, that's fine, whatever. But what I want to say is, so they, they give this doll and they get their own. That's fine. I also want to say that there's no fucking way that there's a restaurant called the Cluck and Taco in, in Mexico City. Yeah, I mean, f- fucking maybe it's, in like... If uh, it was Mexico City, Kansas, sure. No, I would say if you were on like the border of Mexico and California or Texas or something... You might find a place called the Cluck and Taco because a bunch of idiot American tourists would go there. You'd find one in Las Venturas in the Grand Se- in the Grand Theft Auto games. Yes, that's but a, that's as far in, as I'm going. In first, in straight up Mexico City, you are not going to find something called the Cluck and apostrophe Taco. Not a chance. It's not even El Cluck and Taco. It's just the Cluck and Taco. <laughs> anyway, sure. They get their doll. They then have a fiesta that breaks out in the middle of Mexico City, and they start doing the song, I, 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 I like you very much. This is the first musical number. Uh, now, it, it sounds like this is an old track that they're just using for the movie. Yes. Like, they've already recorded this in a previous, like, maybe in the 50s, and that's why it's so ridiculously racist, but uh, they're still using it. Yeah. The thing I have with this is, so Cuomo's trying to get their doll while this is happening. The boys are so... So into this fiesta that they straight lose the doll and don't give a shit. Yeah, they have no interest in the doll whatsoever. It turns out that one of Klaus's men is there, and luckily has managed to intercept the doll and gives it back to the boys. But it's they- not even one of Klaus's men. He's just like he sees the doll and he's like, "Huh," and just throws it at him. No, no, because he calls Klaus and Claudia right afterwards. He, he gets on a payphone. And he's like, "The boys were here and they made their drop." <laughs> so it, it's the same guy. He's also the guy who welcomes them to town. Yeah, but 
but they they basically pop up into town. Uh, they get the the drop exchange happens, and all of a sudden, a bunch of banditos ride through the middle of town on horses, firing <laughs> guns everywhere, which is part of the fiesta. Part of a fiesta. Let's talk real quick. Mexico City appears to be about the size of Old Town San Diego, just the uh, the one little district that's designed to look like old timey Mexico. Yes, there's about fifty people. Uh huh. And all of them are dressed in old timey Mexican clothing. Yes. And then they ride through, literally evil looking Mexican cowboys ride through town firing their guns wildly in the air. And then some dude walks up to the chipmunks and is like, ah, do not worry, boys. It is our fiesta. And then they start singing the I, I, I song where uh, I guess they were all set for the chipmunks to be there because there are three women who need dance partners in a wagon. Yeah. Who dance with the boys so they can sing their song. Yep. And then they they leave while the song's still playing. They get back in their balloon and fly away. And sure enough, the dude who greets them throws them the doll. Yes. So this is the first musical number, and it's dire and a little bit on the racist side and very old fashioned. Uh huh. But it's also it uh it sets it makes you feel like the other musical numbers are going to be terrible. Don't worry, they're most of them are great. They are amazing. Yeah. So, so we get at this point uh mostly like a montage of what's going be like on. three hours long, and I don't give a shit. I don't care. So we get a montage of where the the boys and the girls are going. Second musical number, too. Yeah. Now, the boys have a very easy route. So they're going from Mexico City. They're going to go to... Uh, uh, Machu Picchu. They go to Peru, and they go to Rio de Janeiro. They they have a route that you're like, oh, okay. They you're just sal- going down South America. Yeah, they get Central and South America, and their route actually makes sense until up to a point. Well, yes. Their up- first three or four locations. Now, John's getting ready to tell you the actual routes they both took but real quick here i want to talk about the song they're singing because this is the first original number in this thing the uh hey don't you know that we're off to see the world song uh-huh and it's a little uh it's a little overwrought it's kind of surprising don't because uh why are our hearts beating so fast why is there suddenly a brand new hope inside us that will surely last yeah and that's that's the it's just kind of generic 80s soft michael jackson style ballady pop stuff happening i mean it's a good song it is but it's also the it is a fine song but it's also the song that plays over while we start seeing these incredible routes which john please tell me all about it okay so while i was watching this i wrote down what was going on Mm -hmm. so for the boys we see them hit mexico city they make a drop off in machu picchu not just no it's in machu picchu it's not in a it's not in a well-populated peruvian city it's in machu picchu the ruins they they straight go to some fucking ruin drop a doll onto a pillar which then goes down and comes back up with a different doll that's they have a they basically have some sort of robotic doll exchange program built into an ancient stone plinth in machu picchu yeah uh, they go to Rio. There is a scene where they are going through some jungle, but they don't make a doll. Uh, and then the next time we see them, they're off in what looks like Morocco. Yeah. Uh, well, they end up in... Yeah, they go to Rio, but we never see them do the doll drop. You're right. They just they just fly over the big Jesus statue. Yeah. So the next time we see them do a drop is Morocco. So they fly fr- all the way down South America, and then they fly across the ocean to the north of Africa? Yes. All right, sure. Uh, the girls, however, went from Bermuda to Dover. Which we see the white cliffs of Dover. They don't stop there. Nope. They uh, they then make a drop in Holland mm-hmm. and Switzerland. Then there's a bunch of like montage things where we don't see them drop off dolls, but we know that they are in London, Paris. Uh, they're at the Leaning Tower and somewhere in Germany doing like Oktoberfest type shit. Yes. So they straight do the full Europe. They do full Europe while the boys just have to go down South America, which only has like three stops. Yeah. But, uh, 
at this point, after uh, oh, and Morocco, and then they go to Venice, yeah, because that's right. they're in the canals, yeah. Uh, then the two of them meet up in Athens. Yes, both of them have a drop to do in Athens, or they're just both there. We don't know. And I don't they see both a... stop in Athens, and I can't imagine they stop unless they're doing a drop. It could be. I, who knows? I mean, do we ever? I don't think either of them does a full twelve stops that no. we have, that we see they, during they, the film. They do not finish the route because they come back and still have some dolls. Well, and... they would, yeah, they, they still have some of the wrong dolls. Yeah. So they meet in Athens, and uh, the whole time they're being pursued by Cuomo and what's his face. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a whole bunch of story beats happening, but this is all happening to the course of the song. Yeah, it's just a montage just a of places montage. they're going. So now the, the the six of them stop and they meet up in Athens where they have some pleasantries. They're just like, how you doing? Oh, we've made six of our drops. How about you? We've made seven of our drops. Hey, that's great. I feel like we're a little slowed down, though, says Alvin, because we're such big celebrity rock stars that we every- keep getting mobbed by people. We keep getting mobbed by fans, he says, trying to make his hat look cool. And Britney's having none of it. She's like, oh, the same thing happened to us. And I'm like, why are they doing this? I guess the two of them just can't help but lie to each other. Oh, yeah. Well, both Britney and Alvin are like just too type a compulsive liars yeah that are they have a weird need to be famous yes like the other ones in both the chipmunks and chipettes while they are acquiring fame and money and whatnot they don't have that as their primary goal yeah this is a situation where you'd expect alvin to just or uh, simon to just be standing behind alvin and he's like we've been getting mobbed by fans of our rock and roll music no we haven't <laughs> no that's wrong that's it hasn't been happening no one no one's actually recognized us yet. The uh <laughs> so the problem with this is you would imagine at some point like both Alvin and Brittany are going to try and do their solo career because mm-hmm. they're they're the type who are like, well, fuck you, I don't want to share the spotlight with anybody. It's all me. Yeah, I need these two other chipmunks to make me look good. <laughs> but I just feel like at some point in the movie that should have actually happened. We should have at least seen one scene of of random fans being like, holy shit, the chipmunks! What are you doing in Morocco? Yeah, but no, we never get that. No one ever recognizes. No, them. that never happens. Instead, people are just sort of unless the one time that someone recognizes them is the New York or, or the uh, the Mexico City guy. Guy, maybe who's just like hello boys i was expecting you and you're just like oh okay but he's he's expecting them because he had to make a doll of them yeah that's the, that's it anyway uh, the, the they can't sorry yeah the this meeting in athens though starts the best song in this movie uh the second best song in this movie the best song in this movie definitely the second best of all the songs in yeah. this movie the second best but the best song in this movie because okay. it is both the first and second best song in this movie oh now, now you're taking it too far <laughs> I'm willing to accept that the two songs that we both think are the best song are equally really, really good, but I'm not giving you slots one and two for this one song. <laughs> so, uh, Alvin says that not only are they better at delivering dolls, they are better at rocking and rolling. Yes, to which Brittany is like, oh yeah, can you back that up? And, and he's like, well, of course I can. Come on, boys. And Theodore, who is trying to order some couscous and some some dolma, which for some reason he calls kalashi donuts. I don't know. I think he says, I think he probably says kalashi dolma. And he's, he almost gets the order right. But it sounds like he says, I'll have one large couscous and, and two kalashi donuts. <laughs> which I think is because the, the voice actor for Theodore had no idea what dolma are. 
<laughs> and so he was just like, I'll just say donuts, whatever. What? And what's, what's weird is that the animation of it is beautiful. A, a wonderful plate of two dolma on, on a big plate of couscous is, is put out right in front of him. And he's like, ah, perfect. Look at them grape leaves stuffed with f- seasoned rice. That's exactly what I wanted. Thank you. Oh, no, I am pulled away from it. Oh, the th- weird thing is, here's this is the crazy thing. As they're getting pulled away for the song to start, we get a beautiful, heartfelt, one-line conversation between Jeanette and, and, and Simon. Yes. Where like uh, they're be- both being tugged on as hard as they can by Alvin and Brittany who want to go off and have a musical number and Simon's like this is ridiculous we have to keep these two apart yeah they are the most poisonous toxic personalities if these two were in a relationship it would be the most explosive terrible thing ever and Jeanette's just kind of like resigned and she's just sort of nodding and like yeah I know it's it's awful but the moment that they are successfully tugged away Simon and Jeanette both just turn straight up into backup singers and are 100% on board oh yeah the second that the song starts they're like oh fuck you we are gonna rock this shit oh my god I gotta run as fast as I can while singing I am Simon <laughs> The uh, the whole thing happens at the Acropolis at the the fucking Acropolis, and the uh, the fact of this happening there is interesting, if only because Dave is also in Athens. Yes, he his uh, when they're charging by to start the song, they knock over a tent that he's under. Yeah, and he's buying presents for the boys. I want to get something nice for the boys because they're stuck at home while I'm here working. Says a man in Athens near the Acropolis with a camera around his neck. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets knocked over he's like wait a minute those green blurs that shot by they couldn't have been i better check and uh he doesn't get to actually see them because the agents get knocked over near down him. the acropolis into him well they start so the chipmunks start running all over the acropolis singing the song the boys and girls of rock and roll which is so good it's a great song and it's it's hilariously performed and the, the thing it always draws attention to for me is the difference in the look of the chipmunks versus the chipettes because the chipmunks are again wearing floor-length t-shirts with turtlenecks yes the girls are all dressed like 80s pastiches so Jeanette, for example, straight up looks like Olivia Newton-John in the Let's Get Physical video. Not Jeanette, I'm sorry. Uh, Brittany looks like that. Jeanette kind of looks like a put-upon... She kind of looks like Goldie Hawn in... Uh, what's that Kurt Russell movie? She was over, uh, gone o- overboard or whatever. Overboard. So she's kind of got that look to her where she's sort of frumpy uh, chic. And Eleanor is, for some reason, wearing a giant green tie. She looks like oh, a girl... She's, no, she's in a schoolgirl outfit. She's in a schoolgirl outfit. She looks like she's dressed up as a as a sexy Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> No, man, she's just in your standard 80s schoolgirl outfit. She's got the, the the little pleated skirt and the tie and yeah. everything. Well, yeah, and the end result is that they all get to, they're all dressed individually. They all have, like, bits on their clothing that moves around when they're dancing and stuff. So, like, when, when Brittany's doing... Well, it's all doing... clothes that reflect their personality, but yeah. it's also things that give them a full range of movement. Where... A full range of, like, leg movement and the fact that they can, when they, when they do hip stuff, like, their skirts can fly around and, like, sparks come off them and stuff. The boys are all dressed like weird snakes, <laughs> and they have to dance like weird snakes yeah so they're mostly just like wiggling and they can do like arm dance stuff yeah but there's no point where they can really use their like legs to show off dance moves yeah so So all their dance moves have to be very upper body they're either upper body or they're wriggling their entire body again like weird snakes That's all they. There's one scene in particular with Theodore and Simon dancing with each other because they're backup dancers. I'm just imagining an anthropomorphic snake dressed in a floor-length shirt who's like, <laughs> "I say, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. I look nothing like those chipmunks. How dare you? <laughs> I shall eat one of them anon." 
but no, they're they're they like Theodore and Simon basically look like if a cartoon letter I did a dance. Yes. So the uh, they they go off. They have their thing. They they go their separate ways. Their dance is amazing. though. there's one part where they start flashing in and out of existence because of how strong they're dancing. Yeah, they're they're just like blinking like they got hit in a video game. Yeah, like they took a little damage. And then Cuomo and what's his face show up with their most menacing poses of the entire film. <sighs> Cuomo pops in like late at night in the Acropolis. He peeks out from around a pillar and just goes. Hah! With his teeth all out and one claw-like hand extended towards these boys. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. And then they all escape in hot air balloons. I say escape, but they have no idea they're being pursued. Yeah. So the boys are headed off to Istanbul mm-hmm. as their next stop. The girls are headed to Cairo. In Cairo, they are attacked by agents that uh, fucking, uh, what's his name? Jamal mm-hmm. has sent out different people to go get them. Yes. Because he's like, you uh, two have failed me. I'm going to have the Sultan of Cairo. <laughs> Who is a nine-year-old boy? The nine-year-old Sultan of Cairo is going to capture the chipettes. Is that, I, I mean, what is going on? It's, it's, <laughs> Egypt was a modernized country in the late 80s. No, nope. I mean, it wasn't great. It's pretty famous for not being great at the time but there were no little boys in sultan pants running the country yep but no <laughs> at this point in time in this weird universe where diamonds are illegal the sultan the boy sultan of cairo not this boy sultan of egypt mind you no the boy sultan of cairo yeah. <laughs> has decided to capture these chipettes as a favor to jamal but he's going to keep the girls deliver the dolls but the girls are going into his harem yes because be thinks Brittany would make a wonderful child bride. I mean, this is the most insane thing. How did this play in Egypt? Where they were like, wait, are they saying that we have an, a, an insane boy king? I don't understand what this is. How, why didn't they just set this someplace that is still a sultanate? There's more than one of them. There's there's a whole set of emirates still. That's what the UAE is. And Brunei is a sultanate. There's plenty of places where you could still put a sultan if you wanted. Why did they choose Egypt? Why did they make him nine? He's only in one scene. Well, because it would be super creepy if it was an adult sultan he's like i will marry that nine-year-old chipmunk. I am, keep that nine-year-old chipmunk in my it's still super creepy <laughs> oh also super weird to note the boy sultan of cairo is voiced by the person who's like bart simpson yes yeah so having bart simpson be like i'm gonna marry that chipmunk real weird <laughs> So, uh, meanwhile, Dave almost managed to catch, find out that the boys are going around the world while he w- caught up to them in the a- in Athens. But because the two Interpol agents got shoved down a staircase by magic dancing sparks and fell into him, he's just he gets hit by two rolling Interpol agents falling down the Acropolis. And then they apparently this all happens off screen. Get up, dust themselves off, and go their separate ways without addressing each other <laughs> they, even slightly. They do not say a word. They just get up and are like, "Good day, sirs," yeah, and but, are gone. Because all you see is Dave walking off going, I could have sworn I heard the boys doing one of their weird trademark musical numbers. <laughs> but that wouldn't happen. They'd never do a musical number without me getting money for it. Also, I just got hit by two gentlemen, and when I stood up, all they did was menace at me and threaten to tackle me with their gnarled claw-like hands. <laughs> <sighs> all right, yeah, you guys have a good day, too. Mm. So the uh, the Cairo scene. Oh, that is the Cairo scene is deep, crazy doo doo. They 
the girls are now dressed in your standard I dream of genie silky see-through like, blousey see- things. Yeah, those like the blousey arm stuff and the veils and whatnot. They're in your classic genie outfits. Yeah, and also your classic genie harem room. Bunch of like red and purple pillows and and, and thin diaphanous veily things. Uh in order to escape, they need to find their dolls and get out. Yes. They find the dolls, and uh, they are guarded by a ton of snakes. A ton of, of hooded cobras. And, uh, oh, before this, they had been given <laughs> a, a gift. gift of a baby penguin? Yes, yeah. A, a little box is delivered to them, which contains a terrarium containing a tiny penguin wearing a locket. This is important because you open the locket, and it is a picture of this baby penguin, and it's parents which then immediately raises the question where did this penguin get a locket with a picture of its parents is that just extra cruelty on the part of the sultan of cairo yeah he was like hold on before i steal this baby penguin i gotta get a picture of it with its parents then i'm gonna take it away fashion a locket i'm gonna give a heart-shaped locket to this baby penguin put it in (laughs) <laughs> put that picture in the locket and then give the penguin to my new child bride. I've been keeping the penguin around in the eventuality that I would find some random chipmunk child brides. <laughs> so the uh, Jeanette and Brittany are going to attempt to uh, use music to soothe the savage beast. Yeah, which is while Jeanette's Jeanette, dumb it, idea. Well, Jeanette goes off. Yeah. Or not Jeanette. Uh, Brittany goes off. Or no, Eleanor goes Eleanor off. Eleanor goes off, and she's like, I gotta go get something real quick. She's gonna go get that penguin. Well, the, I, the, the implication in the film is that she's gonna go raid the kitchens to get well, enough food for their trip. Yeah, she just says, I'm gonna be back, but she comes back with a cooler, and she's like, oh, it's got snacks and stuff. But Which everyone's like, fine, because you're the Theodore of our party. Although there's no evidence of that, ever. No. There's no point in this movie at all where Eleanor does anything other than care about a penguin, so there's no part where she, she has her, like, stereotypes reinforced. So... The uh, they have a dance number where it's Jeanette and Brittany dancing with snakes in a I'm gonna say way too sexualized way. Uh, entirely, entire... there's a lot of rubbing snakes between their legs. I'm just I'm just gonna say it. I'm, I'm gonna say right now the song is it's, it's a fine song. It's, it's getting lucky, but yeah. it's called Getting Lucky. Yeah, and it's two, two underage girls essentially singing to snakes, going like, "Hey." Come fuck me. Yeah. Well, the the, the chorus of the song is, is uh, hey, hey you, tell me what I have to do to get lucky with you. Yes. That's the chorus that they're singing to all these, like, excited dancing snakes. So... Now, they already know how to dance with weird snakes, because, of course, they've spent years in a, in a career rivalry with the chipmunks, who all dance like weird snakes. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, none of these snakes dressed in floor-length Cossacks. <laughs> Cossacks? They're dressed like 18th century Russian people? Yeah. Cossacks. 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 They're all dressed like human tailbones. <laughs> no, okay, so they, they sing their way past these snakes with this song about wanting to fuck snakes. Yep, and then... Uh... <laughs> And then they use two of the snakes. Just tie them together. And use them as a rope to get out. And the snakes are both like, yeah, this is fine. You, you can do you, this to us because I'm pretty... you a snake boner, so I'm fine with this. I'm fine with you tying me to another snake, which would definitely break me. And then using my teeth to grapple out of this building because I'm pretty sure we're going to get laid later. Jesus Christ. This scene is fucked up. At least the nice thing is that we never see the little boy uh, Sultan again. No. So they escape. They they have to take this penguin to its parents 
in Antarctica. They're in Cairo right now. So they're they're in Egypt, and they're like, well, our next stop is, I forget. I, I don't even know where they're supposed to be going They don't next. even say it. They never say. But they're just like, all right, well, we'll go out of our way real quick to go to Antarctica to drop off this penguin because Eleanor has diagnosed the penguin as dying because it doesn't have its mom. Well, mostly they're like, this penguin doesn't look good. I'm sure the mom would know what to do. Yeah, I want, the answer isn't to keep the penguin in a freezer. This is one of those weird things that they're doing where they're like, well, penguins are from Antarctica, right? So they have to be kept cold all the time or they'll definitely die. They're animals that live in the refrigerator. Yeah. This is inaccurate. You can keep a penguin pretty much wherever. <laughs> it, they don't need to be frozen. They're just adapted to live in frozen environments. <laughs> uh, so they take a detour <laughs> from Cairo to, to Antarctica. Antarctica over the course of what appears to be about an hour and a half. And the reason I'm saying that is because they're flying along as they escape Egypt. They're like flying over the pyramids or whatever. And Brittany goes, I'm hungry. I'm going to look in that cooler. And, you know, Eleanor's like, no, don't. Which is weird because what's Eleanor's plan exactly? Yeah. Like, like she's going to smuggle the penguin to, to where? Why, why would she? And why would it be a secret that she's doing it? Uh, like, so, is she gonna is she gonna secretly steer the, the the balloon to Antarctica at night by herself? What? Well, maybe I think her plan was she was just gonna keep the the penguin for herself. Oh, okay, it's gonna be her. Maybe she was gonna eat the penguin. But, <laughs> Shit, that's my that's my snack. Don't you eat my penguin? But then <laughs> they, they they pop open the cooler and there's an, a dis a disease, a sickly looking penguin. And Eleanor's like, well, she misses her mama. And then these girls who have never had a mom that we know of, they've had like adopted people who they've lived with. And yeah, they they've cr- been orphaned since they were wee wee tiny chipmunks yeah sing a song about how much they how much moms are important yeah they're like moms are great they know they know all about how to take care of you the song is probably one of the worst songs in the movie that's an original it's it's uh it's my mother that's who i need that song yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's all like my mother's my best friend and yeah she's always there for me this whole penguin and mom song thing is basically because they knew that some girls would also watch this movie they were 80s men writing these movies and they were like well we got to put in some woman shit uh, the girls are moms now. The end. The okay. The weird part of this is during the song, it gives us glimpses into what's going on with this penguin's family. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's going on with this penguin's family? Because it certainly is that they live in a goddamn house with cribs and blankets and pillows and a fireplace. I mean, it's ever because there's a chimney outside their house at one point, and their house is made of ice. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's an ice house, but inside is made of wood, a like actual baby crib, and there are blankets and pillows so in what, it. What we're establishing in this film is that although the penguin can only speak in little squeaks and noises, and so can all of its penguin family, they are an intelligent anthropomorphized penguin species that have the ability to not only create a house. So they have architecture, carpentry, definitely weaving of some kind to make a blanket and pillows. Yeah. Either that, or they could just buy all that crap on the 1980s internet uh, but but the, yes yeah, they can build things they form strong family relationships and permanent housing situations like do these penguins dive for fish are they do they go in the water and swim around oh, no and, I'm, I'm pretty sure they go into town have a day job that they do and then go to the market and buy fish well what we're establishing here is that penguins are the only species on earth that we can say for sure that operates in the same sort of proto-human state that chipmunks do yeah 
It's it's chipmunks and penguins that are the two, and then penguins, of course, don't speak English, but and neither do chipmunks normally, unless they're born in Australia or New York. Well, yeah, because you've got to be born in an English speaking country as a chipmunk to speak English. That is right. Otherwise, they'd speak some weird penguin language, like these penguins do. Yeah, it's that's it for chipmunks, either English or penguin. Well, we don't that's see them their in, option. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So I, at this point, they sing this song about like how moms are great, and then finally, Brittany, I guess, caves and is like, "All right, fine. How do we get to Antarctica?" So well, South Brittany, you go south. <laughs> the uh, the big thing here is because they start going off course. The agents are like telling Klaus and Claudia, "Oh, it looks like they figured out that they have whatever, and they're trying to like keep your money and diamonds or whatever for themselves." So they send out operatives to then kill slash take the dolls back from the girls who go to Antarctica and try to take the stuff from the girls they attack they attack the girls and their attack is repelled by penguins who throw snowballs at them yes so penguins also can apparently make snowballs not only make them but throw them normally yeah. throwing stuff is pretty much uh, restricted to the higher primates oh yeah um, but the, here we are here we see some super intelligent housing penguins that can throw snowballs uh, during the the uh, confrontation one of the dolls gets ripped and so the girls learn the secret of what's inside the dolls they're like oh my god this one's full of diamonds and then they cut open one of the other dolls. This one's full of money. We have to warn the boys. No wonder people have been after us this whole time and trying to attack us. It's because we've got cash. I just figured it was because they wanted to marry us into weird child bride relationships. <laughs> Meanwhile, the boys. we got to talk about them boys. The boys are, are in back in town. <laughs> The boys are taking, remember earlier? From the movie, from, from the video game. They're taking the shortcut through Fiji. All right, let's talk about this. Fiji is impossible to be a shortcut in real in real life. The Fiji, only time Fiji is a shortcut is if you are going straight from, like, Sydney up to California, maybe. It's still not a shortcut. It's still well, it's an, not a shortcut. It's the shortest route. It's the shortest route, but it's not a shortcut. It is a place you stop on the way for some reason. I don't know why you would. It's not like it's especially equipped to handle an airplane that can fly from Sydney to California, but uh, but it's never, ever a shortcut. It's in the middle of the ocean. It is very isolated. It's very far from anything else. Yeah. It's... It's a little tiny island, and it's it's impossible for it to be a shortcut or a good idea as a stopping location for someone in a hot air balloon. Yeah, while while in a video game, you might be able to say this maybe makes sense as a level thing. Mm -hmm. In an actual around-the-world thing, saying that they went from Istanbul and then were using the Fiji shortcut. Do you know how far Fiji is from Istanbul? Because it's real fucking far. It's real fucking far from anything, let alone Istanbul. Istanbul. Yeah. It's not the most remote island in the world, but it's up there. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> So they are camping in Fiji. Or islands. Yeah, they're camping in Fiji, where for some reason, and for the first time ever, Theodore is afraid of the dark. Yeah, he still believes in the boogeyman. And, and he thinks the boogeyman is endemic to Fiji. Yeah, sure, why not? That's where the boogeyman lives. Yeah. But he gets stolen in the middle of the night and turned into the a child prince. Like, a, he is their missing uh, prince of plenty. Yes, so, and by there, we mean Fiji tribes people. The Fiji native tribesmen, and we get the most ridiculous shitty racist scene ever where Alvin tries to trade for Theodore by doing the worst 
Like, we have heap big wampum. We give you shirts. And this make big music noise. Like them plenty. Cluck, cluck. That kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And he's like, don't worry. I've got negotiation skills. (laughs) So, again, we're on Fiji. We're not in 1860s America and and in a cartoon. Well, it's still a cartoon, but but he's not a racist from from New York at the time in the 1860s in, in America. He's a chipmunk on Fiji in 1987. And he decides that obviously these all natives talk like this. Na- if you're a native anywhere, obviously you're gonna know that fucking. If I talk to you like I'm an F troop, then <laughs> you'll get it. Yeah, just give him some of that good old gun smoke language. Hey, want some heap big uh, t-shirt? We smoke them peace pipe. Oh my god, it, that's what he tries. And if for a second it looks like it works, but thankfully instead he gets dressed in a loincloth and chained to a wall. Yeah, and then uh, their options are. Death or slaves to the Prince of Plenty. Yes, so they have to become Theodore's slaves. Uh, th- at this point, Theodore is thankfully more or less absent from the film for a couple of minutes, because well, otherwise, you know, they could just address him directly and be like, hey, w- they've made us your slaves. Can you just not? <laughs> can you tell him to stop it? But, you know, Theodore instead is off in some room by himself eating fruit at an alarming pace. But this is also where we find out that... Uh... <laughs> Simon understands the language of them. Yes. Because when they're talking about it, they're like, oh, these uh, these people are saying that either we die or we become slaves. Mm-hmm. So he speaks native Fijian, but not only that, when they're out collecting mushrooms for him, they stumble into a cave full of ruins, ruined writings. Yes. Yeah. There's all these like like uh, old timey or not old timey, I shouldn't say, but like archeo- hieroglyphic type. archaeological Fijian tribal hieroglyphics. And he speaks it and is like, oh, they're going to sacrifice the Prince of Plenty at the full moon. That's tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and of course, Alvin's like over my dead body. And then we are shown all three of them tied to pillars over a crocodile pit. Yeah. You had to say that, didn't it's, you? Uh, I I think you mean over our dead bodies. Yeah. Come on, Simon. Instead of instead of being snarky about it, what you should have done was interrupted Alvin when he was talking about heap big wampum if you spoke the language. Yeah. When he was being a huge douche, he'd been like, just slap him and go, look, I fucking speak the language. Hey, guys. I'll, t- uh, I'll tell you what. I'll trade you this chipmunk for that chipmunk over there. You can have this one. This one is definitely your sacrificial prince of plenty let me tell you way better choice uh so 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 yeah they're gonna get sacrificed and uh the (laughs) the actual chief of this village before they die wants to hear woolly bully yes he would like to hear the doo-wop hit woolly bully the early rock and roll classic of course he he requests it as worry burry because worry burry he says we we cannot have anything on fiji be not racist yeah racist against what exactly i don't even know what these tribes people are supposed to represent they're just made up insane tribes people so so they want to hear worry burry and uh and indeed they do and the boys sing woolly bully to them as the ropes that they're suspended from are lit on fire and they just keep singing woolly bully uh and they are so loud and there is so much loud saxophone music accompanying them from you know let's go ahead and not make fun of musical conventions that's fine that's fine but this is the thing the musical conventions in the film are so loud that they attract to the attention of the of the chipettes who rescue them yeah they're like wow there's loud saxophone music coming from over there yeah the chipettes from antarctica were like we need to find the boys 
is because they're probably also in danger. They have these dolls. Mm-hmm. The Chipettes, though, should have no idea where they are, especially given that, they Fiji, that- Fiji isn't one of the drop-off points. They're doing a shortcut, yeah. which means they should be going, oh, I even if they memorized what 12 locations the boys had to go to, they could be like, oh, well, we'll meet them wherever because that's going to be their next drop-off location. But no, they decide that apparently from Antarctica, the shortest distance is to Fiji. <laughs> so that's where they go. And when you know it, they find the boys all dressed in loincloths. By the way, this is the new uniforms for the film because the film for the rest of it has the girls in their diaphanous veily harem outfits and the boys in loincloths. Yes. That's the whole rest of the movie. So they get saved from the Islanders and are then, they fly back to LA. Yeah, they fly to LAX for some reason. I'm, I'm not 100% sure why they'd bother going to the airport in their balloons. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, oh, we need to get back and like warn the authorities, I guess. But the best way to do this is to fly into LAX. So they hot air balloon to LAX, where Klaus and Claudia are there with more men who immediately start pursuing them. And at this point, they're being chased in loincloths and diaphanous harem outfits through LAX's luggage uh, spaces by a whole bunch of various Euro trash and Interpol agents and nonsense. And now the best song in the movie plays. <laughs> Oh, uh, really? They play Boys and Girls of Rock and Roll again? No, instead I don't remember that. No, they play the best song in the movie, the one that sounds kind of like a a, sl- like a like a lower-pitched, uh, or not lower-pitched, I guess, because it's chipmunk voices, but but a, a smoother-toned Bonnie Tyler song is what this whole thing sounds like. They play Diamond Dolls, the best song in the movie. No. Uh, and, and, and they're running they're running around to Diamond Dolls. Uh, you know, Dave comes to meet them at the airport, I think. Well, I Dave, I, Dave is flying oh, in he's just to LAX riding. when they okay. get there. And, and uh, he sees them running around in the airport and being pursued by all these people and he's like my boys and then jamal shows up and is like hello i am inspector jamal i will help you come with me and like they get in a car and go and there's a whole road chase (laughs) meanwhile mrs miller is on the way to lax because she's gonna pick up dave yes and she is the world's worst driver. She is your your horrible uh, old person stereotype where she like sees the exit for LAX but misses it and then starts driving on the wrong side of the road on the freeway. Yeah, no, her her scene's insane and she's also yelling at everybody. It's a really it's a weird scene. It, it's it just makes you dislike her because she's like straight up being super dangerous. Oh yeah. Um. Also, she's taking curlers out of her hair and looking at a map and drinking coffee. So she's got a lot going on and she's also singing. Uh, uh, the first Chipmunks hit. Yeah, the, the very witch doctor, uh, Ooa was the very first Chipmunk song. Yes, the very so first song. We by get the... a reference to that. Yeah, so she's singing that, uh, and then I guess at some point the well, car chase comes to a because head. because of Mrs. Miller driving the wrong way, mm-hmm. she almost slams into Klaus and Claudia who have kidnapped these kids. That's right. Yes, and so they go flying into a pole. And uh, Mrs. Miller is fine. Yeah, but she gets Just like every time there's someone who's a horrible driver, like the drunk driver is fine and then everyone else is fucked up. Yes. Same thing. Mrs. Miller, her rear view mirror gets like slightly busted, whereas their car is wrecked. Yeah, and she gets out to start yelling at them. Uh, so and then all the police show up and Inspector Jamal is there. And he's they- like, ah, Kraus and Claudia, I have looked forward to meeting you. Which is weird because they're in a big fucking mansion with a huge F for Furstein on it in LA, you'd think if you had any evidence of their wrongdoing... You'd just go get them. You'd be like, oh yeah, they're in that huge goddamn mansion where I have a double agent in their house. I know where they live. I, I have their address. 
but apparently he's been having a hard time catching them personally. Whatever. So we save the boys and the girls. They go run up and hug Dave. Which uh, why does why do the girls give one solitary fuck about Dave? Well, the the fact that Dave is there, I guess. I mean, you just got kidnapped. You see a familiar face, you're gonna be like, oh, thank God. I, I guess, but it's like he's like, oh, all the kids, yay! I rescue. He, he's he has no relationship to the Chipettes. Well, he has some relationship to the Chipettes. He would like to also exploit them he's for money. Dimly aware of them, he is like that is another one time. Band. One time, twenty years ago or a couple of years ago, he threatened to sue them because they were calling themselves the Chipmunks. <laughs> That's the full extent of his relationship. Hey, they lived with him for like an episode. Yeah, I'm sure that was some court-ordered thing from one of those courts that like loves 80s yeah, sitcom one of, plots. one of those courts who's like, you're going to be his butler. Yeah. Oh, you don't like their name, huh? Well, you're going to hate living with them. Court is adjourned. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> What's in next? Uh, some dude who needs to live on a houseboat for a year to learn a lesson about values. I love the 80s. Uh, so they get rescued. They all get into a car with Mrs. Miller and drive off. And we end the movie with Alvin being pissed off that they didn't get any money. He's like, oh, come on. There's got to be a reward. We just saved like millions of dollars of diamonds and cash. We stopped a huge smuggling ring. We helped Interpol. Where is our goal? Like, where's our cut of that? And, you know, I'm sort of on Alvin's side here. A little bit. Although this probably cost him a tremendous amount. It's cost Interpol an insane amount of money to send weird goo out to catch him yeah well that's interpol's dumb idiot problem <laughs> they're like oh instead of just being like uh we called the local police of like mexico city had them show up stop the boys and go hey guys you need to stop for a minute then show up get the dolls and arrest these people we instead decided to send our most menacing perverts to go <laughs> attempt to growl their way into tackling them get, get me the scariest tacklers we got <laughs> Give give me your weirdest pervert agents you have. Ah. I want ones that that speak entirely in growls and have claw hands. Those are the guys that I'll have send after children. Cuomo, get in here. Yes, sir. How can I help you, sir? You need to catch some boys. They're in tremendous danger and they're traveling around the world in a hot air balloon. Okay, sir. I'll go get them immediately. That shouldn't be too difficult, right? All right, but Cuomo, I can't have you speaking to them. It's desperately important that instead of speaking to them, you scare the hell out of them so that they surrender faster. <laughs> Look, I'm a child psychologist. I know what I'm talking about. So when you get near them, I want you to just do your best, like, terrifying zombie impersonation at them. Just look all Solomon Grundy. Like just this, make sir. sure they see that gold tooth. Yeah. Kids love gold kids teeth. Kids love gold teeth. Obviously, these kids are traveling with a lot of diamonds. They're going to love gold. They're going to come right to your tooth. It's going to be like moths to a flame. They're going to see that and be like, gold. <laughs> and you, other guy whose name no one can remember. Look, the dolls are the most important possible thing, all right? So if the girls are, just say, as a random, crazy hypothetical, about to be eaten by sharks you leave them alone because that's just nature that's sharks eating chipmunks it happens all the time that's nature but on the other hand dolls full of diamonds sinking to the bottom of the bermuda ocean that is bad juju so you got to get that doll uh you know you only need to rescue like one of the chipmunks at uh, chipettes at most also i love that they never go after the people who are getting the diamonds like you'd think if diamond smuggling is a crime buying smuggled diamonds would be a crime and they would arrest the people who are buying well them. we know for a fact that everyone that's they're exchanging diamonds with is like a robot machine that just exchanges dolls. Well, I mean, except for the one guy in Bermuda who is definitely a scuba diver guy. Well, he's underwater, John. How are you going to get him? Oh, he's, he's in international waters. They have no jurisdiction here <laughs> under the sea. 
They've got to they got to try and get in good with Triton if they want to catch that guy. Ocean Law will claim him. I'm gonna have to find the boy Sultan of the Ocean. <laughs> he'll make him walk the plank, and then he'll shiver his timbers. But good, God damn it. <laughs> The the biggest, craziest dumb thing on this is the time scale, though. Yes, because they're in hot air balloons, which, you know, aren't fast. Even if, let's assume that these hot air balloons are going like hundreds of miles an hour for no reason. Yeah. They are, these are magical hot air balloons. Unbelievably fast, quantum-powered, hovering hot air balloons. That's... The timeline on this is nuts. The amount of time it would take for someone even going fairly quickly to get from L.A. to Bermuda to Dover to Holland, then down through, like, Germany and France and Italy. Each place, they're only stopping long enough for a musical number. So, I mean, we don't have to worry about them spending the night in, like, Germany and France. Sure we do. We see them spending the night in Fiji. They obviously sleep. Yeah, but they don't sleep everywhere they go because you can get in and out of Mexico City in about 20 minutes. Not everywhere they go. But still, the amount of time it takes you to go through there, go to Athens, to Cairo, to Antarctica, to Fiji, (laughs) to L.A., Yeah, Fiji to L.A. is probably the single largest distance they travel. I don't know. I think Cairo to Antarctica is the farthest. That's pretty fucking ridiculous, but Fiji's in the southern hemisphere on the other side of the world from L.A. Yeah, you know what else is in the southern hemisphere? Antarctica. Yeah, but Cairo is closer to Antarctica than L.A. is to Fiji. I don't actually, I'm not sure. No, it definitely is not. I actually have no idea because I don't know what part of Antarctica they go to, and neither do they. They go to Antarctica and are immediately at the Penguin's house. Antarctica is a continent. It's like saying, where does this penguin live? Europe? All right, let's go to Europe. Done. Done. We found it. We found it. There it is. Nice. here, Right here in scenic Europe. Well, I'm sure that, you know, the the little baby penguin was like, oh, yeah, I live at like 187 West First Street <laughs> I live on, on Antarctica. I live on 69 Nice Street. Nice. <laughs> just, yeah, they just go to, the, you know, the penguin district of Antarctica. No problem. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Also, fucking- did you ever notice that they never, ever, on their vast tour around the world, go to either Australia or uh, Africa? And also, they never hey, see Asia. Egypt's in Africa. Okay, Morocco's Egypt, in Africa. Egypt, okay, they, find, they go to North Africa. They never yeah. go to Sub-Saharan Africa. They never go to Australia, and they don't even touch Asia. No, there is zero diamond wanters in Asia. You would think that there'd probably be a China drop, right? You would think you'd think that, but I'm I'm almost certain that they were like, well, it's the 80s. We hate China. <laughs> we hate China, and we're scared of Japan. Don't put drops there. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no Russia drop. Yeah, that's true. There isn't a Russia drop either. I would have figured in their around-the-world tour, they pretty much just go to South America and Northern Europe, and then they briefly stop off in the Mediterranean. Yeah, it's basically Northern Africa, Europe, and South America. We the, They go to Antarctica, but it's not part of the drop. They weren't supposed to go there, which is weird because there are soldiers waiting for them. Can you imagine how hard it was to get the soldiers to Antarctica to intercept them? You know how hard it is to get to Antarctica? Very. It's extremely hard. You can only go a couple times during the year, and you have to do it by boat. There's no airport. There's no <laughs> You have to do it by boat or by hot air hot, balloon. Hot air balloon, yeah. Like, like to get to McMurdo State. Uh, station the one place in antarctica that has permanent round around the uh, your people living you have to take a boat from new zealand and it's a really scary boat ride because it's really stormy waters that are super cold and there's nothing around yeah but you can get there by hot air balloon and find a penguin's house no problem it's it's, it's easy yeah easy peasy it's just it's cartoon physics but it's just insane no the amount of time they spend is it makes me wonder how long is dave gone oh dave's gone for like a year because the amount of time it would take you to hot air balloon to these places is 
forever. <laughs> well, I mean, even Dave's little mini vacation he goes on doesn't make any sense. From Paris to Athens? What's he doing? I don't know. It's never said. It. They never say what business he is doing. No. There's, there's no... We don't address that. We don't really resolve much. We have the one scene where the boys and girls argue over who are the boys and or girls of rock and roll, but that never really gets resolved either. We don't know who's the best at rocking by the end of this. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, so the the movie's insane. Movie's it's, insane, but it's also over. This is this is the end of it. This is the end. I'm sure it's been like three hours now that we have talked about this movie. We've it's talked been, about this for longer minutes. than the movie is. 90 minutes or so. We've talked about it for almost exactly as long as the movie is. Let's get into the very end of this. Jeff, I want you to give me your favorite thing in this movie. Oh, no problem, John. Uh, my favorite part of the movie is the best song in the movie, Diamond Dolls. <laughs> The uh, the Diamond Doll song that they sing during the airport escape is uh, is definitely the best part of the movie. Yeah, oh, that's, okay, that's real easy. Uh, what, what would you say is your favorite part of the movie? Uh, well, my favorite part of the movie is the best song in the movie, which is the Boys and Girls of Rock and Roll, which they sing while they're in Athens. Oh, okay, that seems reasonable. I mean, it's wrong, but I'm not going to take it away from you. No, I mean, same with you. I'm not going to take your dumb opinion away. That's... It is your stupid wrong opinion, and you can have that. Yeah, I think that we can both agree that that both of us have opinions, and some of them are brilliant opinions about the best song in the movie, and some of Diamond them are Dolls. your opinions. <laughs> And then other people have, oh, I'm just going to say it, best misguided dumb opinions about the best song in the movie, uh, The Boys and Girls of Rock and Roll, which is not the best song in the movie. Which I'm, is I, the best song in the sad, movie. Sad to say. It's unfortunate that you're so wrong. Uh, it's you know, it's, it's sad, it, I mean, but I'm going to let you have it. You can be this wrong. <laughs> is this one of those things where we're going to need to have the audience tell us? And Dude. then, and then whoever's, whoever is proven wrong by an audience poll just disagrees with it forever? Yes. <laughs> We're going to poll the audience and whoever loses is like, nah, you're dumb. I'm pretty sure if we were to put the poll together and it was just, which is the best song in the movie? Is it the boys slash girls of rock and roll, Diamond Dolls, or all of these are chipmunk songs and I didn't listen to them? That would be the one that would win by like a thousand percent. Well, yeah, it's like if Didn't Vote was uh, (laughs) running for president, they would have won by a landslide. (laughs) I think people would literally come out to the polls just to tell us that they didn't listen to either song because they are chipmunk music from a 1987 chipmunk special. Well, they they're just losing because <laughs> these are great songs. Okay, uh, so there, there's our best. What's the worst thing in this movie? Oh, for the you? worst thing in the movie is definitely the worst song, The Boys and Girls of Rock and Roll. <laughs> I- <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't you dare say it's the worst song in no, this movie. No, it is definitely the second best song in the movie. That's it, I think that's that we, something we can all agree on. Uh, and the actual worst thing in the movie is... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to take any of the insane plot stuff because that's what makes this movie fun to watch. Oh yeah, well, I'd say it's just the racism. It's just the it's just the heat big wampum. Yeah, scene I was, was going to say Fiji. it's that the I'm just going to take Fiji and say that's the worst thing in this film. Yeah, I mean, Wooly Bully is not a song I desperately needed to hear, although it's not a terrible take on it. Oh, I like Wooly Bully. It's it's a fine song. Yeah, but boy howdy, all of Fiji is just the worst. It's it's pretty much the worst part of the film. Like, I mean, granted, you could also say the Mexico City dance number is pretty. Uh, you could you could also go ahead and say that the boy sultan of cairo i love the boy sultan of cairo but the i i might say the worst thing in this is the random i'm gonna fuck snakes song that's fine we'll, we'll just take two of the most insane things in the movie the the boy sultan of cairo with his army of fuckable snakes <laughs> or the 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 swapping l's for r's bowl cut natives of of tribal fiji who wish to sacrifice a chubby little butterball to the tunes of worry burry uh, yep. e- either one of those might be the worst thing in the film i think we can both agree on that yeah okay we're gonna give this movie a rating we're each gonna give it zero to five which gives us our rating out of ten jeff this is a four i'd watch this at any time of day the chipmunk adventure getting a four from jeff that's correct it's it's i mean it's mostly for the song 
songs and the fact that it's insane and captivating. Like when you're watching, you're like, what? Hang on. No, hold on. Go there back. Is, there wait. is no way that this is happening. Wait, okay, okay, hold on. What wait. So the girls' clothes are all ripped up, but they have scuba outfits with or, or bathing suits with them and a change of identical clothes. Yeah. Okay, sure. All right. Oh, it looks like Alvin travels with literally like seven of those Alvin cassocks he's always wearing. <laughs> What, what do you know? Huh? They travel with Cossacks. They travel with all these Prussians and Cossacks. <laughs> uh, all right. So, so I'm giving it a four. Uh, this is Great. a worthwhile movie to watch. It is the best Chipmunks movie, that's for sure. For damn sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four as well. Yeah. This is a this is a solid eight out of ten. This is a a movie that when you put it on, there's very few times where you're like, ah, I don't care what's going on, and usually it's during Diamond Doll since it's an awful song. <laughs> So, okay, first of all, Diamond <laughs> Dolls is the climax of the film. Okay, first of all, first you of little all. shit. <laughs> I'm not even going to dignify that with a response beyond this huge response <laughs> I'm about to give you. <laughs> first of all, obviously the worst song is the dumb one about mothers. Yeah, the, the my mother that's who I need song is probably the worst. Like, unless it's I I I. I I like you very much. I I think you're grand. Ugh. Yeah, that song might be the worst. That, that's probably the worst. The dumb song about mothers is at least only about 90 seconds long yeah so and nothing racist happens <laughs> jesus christ this dumb insane racist movie is so much fun to watch it's it, because it just it gets its hooks in you and you're like i have a million questions i need to know everything about the first teens diamond operation why are they selling di- why are diamonds illegal why are they so f- what's how come interpol is staffed with nothing but evil villains how come interpol is nothing but gangsters they found from weird dick i Tracy mean seriously books? there's a point where they pull back on jamal's office and it reveals that there's an interpol sign on the window but literally everything in his office is evil villain stuff oh he's got like one of those very slow fans on the ceiling and he's he's in his weird villain outfit and he may as well just have like a cat that he's stroking he is wearing a fez he is wearing a white fez that matches his fat guy tuxedo he's wearing (laughs) is he yes there's a scene with him in a fez in this movie god this movie is so weird okay guys that that has been our personal movie mastery for this week i don't care what's on the list that's what we did we'll we'll go back to doing the list next time we had to do this we had to because this movie grabbed hold of us and would not let go until we had shared it with others this is basically like the ring video of movies Mm -hmm. (laughs) you have to share it with other people or else you die luckily the whole thing's on youtube so you can just go watch it if you want and catch up with us uh so thank you so much for listening if you still are the five of you who made it through who actually went and watched this movie before listening to us uh we we thank you for listening if you want to support us you can go to patreon.com slash system mastery that's where you can uh give any amount of support to us we love anything it lets us do stuff like this and keep expanding our shows into new things uh such as we've got our expanded universe uh expounded universe yeah there we go we've got our uh rpg review system mastery we've got live play things that we would like to do if equipment would allow it (laughs) (laughs) i think it will now we have some new equipment yeah we got new equipment thanks again to listener charles for giving us an entire new soundboard randomly that was amazing yeah so we have a whole new sound board i think next time we do uh we should be doing that uh, gamma crawl episode uh next week probably let's do it in my house this time why not yeah let's come on to my house my my house house. i'm I'm gonna gonna 
give you candy. Which is a song song in this movie because things you didn't know about the Chipmunk universe. Mrs. Miller, their their aged crazy babysitter, was the leader of a 1940s military doo-wop band. Miss Mrs. Miller and the Thrillers. Listen to the things you can learn about the Chipmunks. So, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We will, of course, be back in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll probably be doing either one from the list or our in theaters, which if you haven't voted, boy howdy, this this month's in theaters was a crazy close race. And I don't still know is. How close it's only it like is. the 10th. Yeah. So, go vote. You just go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com, go to our movie tab, and go to in theaters now to vote on that poll. And uh, we'll be back, though, and we will see you then. But until such a time as we do, you have a good one. Mm-hmm.